And it's a beautiful day to have a beautiful day. A GM, GM on this beautiful day. Good morning, NFTs. Without Osef Formando, you can blame it on Faroe. You do not like today's show. It's a beautiful day. Have a beautiful day. GM, GM. Yo, 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 yo. What up, what up, what up, what up? GM, GM. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Monday, August 15th, 2022. Look at that. Another beautiful day to have a beautiful day. The sun is shining over here. Wow. It's almost like it's still summer, huh? It is, actually. <laughs> Good morning, my fellow co-host this morning, Dees, who went as far as canceling his first call. No, I'm kidding. I think it was canceled, but we'll say you canceled it. Um, and for the show, and <laughs> and who made it. <laughs> Good morning, Dees. Yeah, yeah. No, it got canceled. I didn't cancel it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sobe's trying to come up from his company account. Do we let him up from the company account? or we do? We, yeah, do we... it's a big day. It's a big okay. day for Populous. Okay, fine. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> this is a special just for you, Sobe. We got Wizard in the house this morning. What's up, Wiz? What's up, what's up, what's happening, boys? I'm excited to hear your market report this morning. Uh, yeah. Thus replacing uh, Ovi. Uh, Ovi and, and and Mando had quite quite a rowdy weekend uh, out in Ibiza um, for Ovi's uh, bachelor party. Uh, they call that a stag over there. Uh, you're gonna probably hear them use that term tomorrow. Uh, so just heads up. But <laughs> saw a couple videos, uh, you know. So I totally get uh, their absence this morning, and it's completely understandable and normal. <laughs> we got. We got Sobe in the house this morning. Wow, Sobe showed up. I did not get bailed on by my Bro, this morning. I've been trying to get on the show with my damn company's account, and now you're gaslighting me. After we just put out this fucking PR, this is crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. By the way, the logo looks great on the on Spaces. I like the pink. Yeah, you would have seen uh, this way earlier if you weren't ghosting me, dude. I know, I know. You know, I, this, the, the true story is I've been trying to get Sobey up on Spaces for months, and, uh, you know, he's been saying yes, and then he's been disappearing. Uh, like, he's doing me the favor. But, you Damn, know. <laughs> I'm playing with you. I'm playing with you, Sobey. Uh, GM, and Sobey did make an announcement this morning, which was great. So I definitely head over to his account, uh, to the Xpopolis account. It's pinned at the top. You're going to see this. Oh, well, he already pinned it. Look at him. I'm, I might as well just make it. host. Hold on. I might as well just make your co-host call today. There you go. Yeah. And then <laughs> I'm acting bad, dude. Somebody's <laughs> up early and energized. Look at him. Oh yeah. I'm so tired, actually. I've barely slept. <laughs> I love that. So we're gonna be able to touch on that too if you want, uh Sobe, so that'll be fun. And then obviously we have the fan the, the whole fam showed up this morning. Uh, as I said, that, that Mando and Ovi are going to be missing. We got Michaela, we got Simon, we got Nash, we got Brittany, whose job this morning is every three minutes on the dot. She's going to talk about it by a rug. And then. By a rug. <laughs> and it's so funny. I think J6, like, he made a. See, the person who did the gmjams.lol, like our, our soundboard. Um, so he, I, I, he actually surprised me. I did not know about this jingle until like 10th. 29. And, and then he made, made a sound that every single time a rug sales sells 
there's me screaming, let's go. And Simon, he actually made you a jingle as well. Uh, so I, oh, I haven't heard. God. I have no idea what to expect. Um, I open it like every morning at 10, 29, 30, you know, to start the show. And I see Simon Says on there. So um, we're, <laughs> we're going to wait actually for that one. We're going to see how good that is. We got Loxy in the house. What's up, Lox? We got Nas. Look at that. And we got the man himself, Golden Crypto. So should be a fun show. Uh, everyone, we got a couple titles lined up. Uh, let me repin them, uh, and then uh, so obviously we're gonna go over the macro and NFT, you know, market analysis. It was a it was a rowdy weekend. How about y'all? Open my timeline on Sunday because that's a Friday night, Saturday off, and everybody was screaming. Uh, <laughs> these you caused ruckus yesterday. It was it was these biggest weekend on Twitter, and uh, <laughs> these was an animal. I was seeing like. Half of my timeline was these, and the other half was people tweeting about these. <laughs> uh, it, it was funny. I love you. Love to see it. Uh, and then, obviously, <coughs> it was a big conversation. I mean, the weekend started off like this whole convers- weekend started off on Saturday morning with conversations around creative royalties. I mean, it's a conversation that's been going on for a while, but I guess it really like you know when times of a lull in the space, sometimes one convo sparks out, and that was the one. So. We're gonna talk about there. That is there right or wrong? I think there's a lot of great people on stage to be able to um, to talk about that. We have founders, we have artists, we have collectors, we have a little bit, a little mix of all. Uh, and then uh, is crypto Twitter is CT right about NFTs and are they all just altcoins? So it's gonna be a good conversation. Uh, obviously, that's a conversation. Altcoins with pictures. It's a very, very, very picture. important distinction. That's true. I actually ran out of characters in my in my tweet. Um, and, uh, and I, I forgot the word pictures as I tweeted that out, out this morning, but are they just altcoin with pictures? Um, so <laughs> that was a big conversation of the weekend. And then, uh, oh shit, that's about it. Sorry. My fourth time was here and Sobe life may or may not bail. I mean, Sobe bailed, uh, ex populist showed up. Um, I guess that's okay. Uh, and so <laughs> no matter what I do, bro, dang. Exactly. So this is usually the part where we play OSF's morning report. I'm still going to do it, but then we'll go to wizard. <laughs> Daily Market Report Brought to you by Rub Radio Wizard, what's the word? <laughs> that's, that's amazing um, Yeah, sure, man Let me uh, let me dive right in So, uh, weekend was definitely very, uh, A lot of fun uh, We had eat, uh, you know, breakthrough uh, 2000, uh, I think Three times um, Including last night uh, obviously, the, from a technical standpoint, that weekly close was really good. Uh, bullish trend still stays on a long-term uh, basis over the last few, uh, you know, weeks. Uh, <clears throat> what do I think from a, a specific e technical standpoint? Uh, at least right now, anything in the 1880 seems to be a very strong support. We're sitting in the 1880 to 1910 for the last. Uh, you know, couple hours. Uh, it seems like everything's just kind of following stocks. Um, market in general, from a macro perspective, uh, the big uh, you know topic for this week, or at least for today, seems to be China. Uh, China had a uh, a stream of bad data announced. Uh, everything from uh, youth unemployment being at the the worst it's been in a long time. Uh, the after uh, impacts of their second and third. COVID lockdowns hitting them pretty bad. So they had to do some surprise um, 
rate cuts. So they cut the uh, obviously flat uh, rates and they cut like repo rates and everything. So it wasn't a big rate cut, uh, but it's definitely something that was uh, done as a surprise. So uh, to be cognizant of that. So how is that impacting the rest of the market? So that definitely shows that there's a global slowdown happening. Uh, if you look at energy prices, uh, they sh- are down a lot today just on the back of China's slowdown. So essentially, global demand for energy is dropping uh, because of, you know, obviously China is a big demand uh, country for our commodities. So all commodities are dropping. So what's very interesting about that is the fact that you have, uh, you know, you, you have inflation, a headline inflation, which is, uh, you know, got commodities as a big piece of it. Um, so when it comes to U.S., uh, energy prices, commodities being down is net net bullish. Global slowdown kind of means that it's doing Fed's work. Uh, that you know, if you have a slowdown in growth, you should see uh, uh, inflation come down. Uh, the problem is that all we're seeing is energy prices come down. We're not seeing uh, the sticky part of inflation. So that's like rent prices. That's um, you know stuff like. Um, uh, used car sales, stuff that's more sticky. That's part of core inflation. So if you look at the last CPI reading, uh, you obviously had like a unchanged kind of month to month. That was more the headline number. So all of that was uh, a result of energy prices coming down. Uh, you didn't actually have core inflation come down as much or come down at all because most of those components actually uh, ticked up again. So I think, uh, you know, so what we have had this amazing rally. You've had stocks rally 17% from the lows in the last eight weeks. Obviously, ETH is almost 100% up from the bottom. Uh, everything's kind of booming. Um, so what can kind of sustain this? Like, what will give it the next uh, big boost? We got the last uh, first boost from a not as worse CPI number. That was in uh, the uh, a month ago. When we went from like a thousand on ETH, basically boomed up to like fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred. The second boost came a couple of days ago when we had headline inflation come in lower, um, but the sticky inflation kind of still kind of start sticking around. So we went from like seventeen fifty, basically up to two thousand. So two thousand, obviously, if you remember the last time we were in this range, it was pretty dicey. We were sat in the eighteen hundred to two thousand for a long time. 2000 kept getting slapped around so we need that next catalyst so what will that be uh next catalyst is most likely going to be any fed pivot talk so basically what that means is fed talking about that they think that uh employ you know that they think that inflation is kind of topping out that they could be looking at looking uh, uh you know rate cuts in early next year or mid next year uh if they don't uh, but basically for them to do that they would have to accept higher structural inflation so that's stuff like rent prices housing prices all this being kind of elevated uh and that you know they would assume that energy prices and food prices kind of level off over the next couple of months so if they explicitly say that that is the next thing that sends this bear market rally into a proper bull market because right now everything is just considered still a bear market rally so what will convert this you will need the fed to pivot and say that they're okay with higher structural inflation and they'll be looking at uh you know cuts down the line um that seems very less likely so it's possible we just see a lot of choppiness if we do see an employment number come in worse because we had like a pretty insane employment number in the last one. So if you see a correction on that in the next employment report, uh, what will most likely happen is, you know, uh, we could see some uh, pressure on the market. 
I think uh, personally, uh, we're just going to be kind of range bound for a little while. In the maybe the, you know maybe we retest eighteen hundred again, uh, then go back to two thousand. Just kind of be in that range for the next little while. Um, I, I I don't really see any big catalyst coming through. Um, other than that, like we had some big sales last night when we pushed up to two thousand on no data. So it seems a lot of profit taking uh, by people. You know, obviously two thousand is a big psychological number as well. So. Um, from an ETH standpoint, that's that's kind of my thoughts over there. Uh, macro, like I said, I think there's going to be nothing that's going to turn this bear market rally into a bull market rally until the Fed comes out and says that they're okay with higher inflation and talk about pivoting. Um, other than that, yeah, there's no much data this week. We have some GDP GDP numbers. We have some housing data, but nothing that's impact worthy. The most important data, obviously, is going to be the next CPI um, and FOMC. Uh, the you know, whatever Fed, uh, Powell kind of talks. Jackson Hole is definitely going to be important because you're going to have a lot of Fed speakers there. So people are, people are going to be listening to all Fed speakers and see if they're hawkish or dovish. Hawkish basically means that, you know, they want to increase rates more, you know, like a bird hawk going up and dovish, like a dove going down, they want to cut rates. So that will be bullish for the market. So that's kind of my sim- small little second thoughts on the macro right now. Holy Was <laughs> I ask you a question? Pond, did of we course, just... of course, yeah. Feel free to. If yo, he, this man just nailed it. Sorry, go ahead. So no, that was that was beautiful. I think one one thing I've been thinking about is it seems as if like it, generally the the model that a lot of people are subscribing to is a an idea which we're like, okay, let, rates are going to keep going up for like this year. Let's say worst case scenario I've seen is like eighteen months or something, right? Um, or something like that, like twelve months, eighteen months. But how many do you think the markets are even discounting this idea of like we can have a cycle of rate uh, rates going up and then decide it's a weird thing if like the Fed starts cutting rates again, but then what if they have to start increasing rates high again? I, I, uh, I can't remember who I read this from, but it was basically saying that the idea was that the Fed won't increase rates as high as they need to go. And then they'll probably start cutting them, and maybe there's a scenario where we go rates go up, rates go down, and then rates go back up again, and that subsequent second rate increase would like destroy a lot of wealth. So uh, right now, the way the dot the dot plot that the Fed's saying, and even like the way like the you know short term futures. So the way to look at stuff uh, usually on the way the market's pricing in is you have to look at like short term OIS rates, like overnight funding for banks, for hedge funds, stuff like that. Uh, there's a curve of that. So if you look at those. Um, that's kind of what will give you the best depiction of what, uh, you know, like the forward market is kind of pricing in, what stocks are kind of pricing in. Um, if you have a scenario where you hike, you keep hiking, you cut, and then you hike again. Uh, now, the Fed, the reason I think the Fed won't do that is Fed's very focused on a credibility because they lost a lot of credibility over the last little while because they kept saying, you know, inflation is transitory. We're going to see core inflation is not going to go above 2 percent, et cetera, et cetera. So Fed wants order in the market. Fed is willing to hike as much as it will right now that they don't have to do the scenario where they stop hiking. And reason being is the most important thing for the Fed. So the Fed has a dual mandate, right? There's, there's a third hidden mandate, but the two most thing, important things, and that's all the Fed cares about, is inflation and then employment. 
And the third, the hidden dual mandate is a Fed put option, which is basically they need stock prices to go up. But right now they don't care about that because the, the, the number one mandate is the most important. So for them, until they see like at least three, four data points of, uh, so that would be at least three, four months minimum of uh, inflation turning down and coming at least like 5% or below, um, they're not going to stop hiking. And the reason they won't stop doing that is because they have the labor market behind them. So the main thing, if you listen to every time Powell talks or Fed statements or any of the Fed speakers, uh, the most important thing they always talk about is how long, how strong the labor market is. And the data shows that, right? Like we were hearing like all these technology cuts and stuff, but net net, the, you know, the Fed's very data dependent and the data like last uh, uh, reading, it was like, double what the expectation was. We had 500,000 plus jobs. It was like a blockbuster uh, number. So what that did is it basically gives the Fed more ammo being like, listen, labor's doing great. Um, so we'll keep hiking too, because inflation are, is our most important thing. So um, the only thing that will make them stop hiking aggressively is if labor starts crumbling. So if labor starts crumbling, then we could have a scenario like what you're saying is that they're like, okay, we're going to kind of take it easy, kind of let the market kind of absorb these hikes hope for a soft landing, um, and then if the inflation starts picking up again, then we'll start hiking again. Uh, but until we see labor start crumbling, uh, consumer demand start crumbling a lot, uh, you're probably, well, consumer demand crumbling is kind of good because I'll bring down inflation, but labor getting crumbling a lot means we're going to be in a hard landing, and that's against what the Fed wants because then that breaks away from their second mandate. Uh, so they're playing this like really like mixed thing uh but the good the, the reason i don't think they're gonna stop hiking is because their second mandate's doing very well employment's great and the hidden third mandate uh you know stocks are fucking flying right so um i i don't see that scenario happening anytime soon and clearly the market's not pricing it there's nowhere it's getting priced like that on the curve everything's gonna just we're gonna be hike 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 and then like late 2020 uh free uh maybe some cuts uh, get priced in but the Fed really will have to come out and say that, hey, we will look to pivot uh, and we're OK with like a 5 percent inflation because we think it will go down over the next year. Uh, but right now we're OK with it and we could look at potentially pivoting uh, to get a better soft landing. But they won't say that until you get uh, a, some bad uh, you know, labor data. So until we get that, so you're looking at at least like a one to two months, like the next labor data is not till Friday of, uh, or the first Friday of next month. The next CPI is not till mid next one. So there's a lot of time to go before that where a lot can happen. That's some really, really good uh, market analysis. I saw Mando even trying to come up on stage, but uh, Twitter didn't want to let him up. Uh, he had the spinning circle of death, the connecting circle. I swear to God, I'm not making this up. And they didn't want him up. <laughs> let me try and invite him again. Uh <laughs> He heard the show was already started off with a bang and he got scared. He was like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, just like that TikTok song. Uh, and so um, what I want to say, Wizard, that's a really good um, that's a really good analysis. What are your what do you think? I mean, OK, so we're wait, you're, you're saying wait on the engagement, uh, the employment rate. I kind of agree on the whole like um, the whole uh, inflation thing. I saw a tweet over the weekend. I believe it was Moon, I think. And he was like. I don't usually look at the price of my groceries, but damn, I looked like this is one of the first times that it stopped me. And I was like, wait, that's intense. And that that struck a thought with me. And then I saw it was on the thing was Luca Nats or something that said the same thing. 
uh, he's like, I never paid like 600 bucks for groceries in LA. And then it's funny because my girlfriend pointed that out to me last week here in Canada and Montreal, she was like, honestly, she's like, like it's every time I go, it's like, it just keeps going up and up and up for the same exact thing. So obviously like you say it's obvious, but I feel like there's a shift because it's a few people at this stage I hear talking about it and people usually don't necessarily check. Right. But now it's like, Oh wait, what? So imagine not being able to, like it's just not everyone's in a situation a lot of other people are right and this this is not this is not great it just doesn't sound good at all yeah. Yeah, no so that's that's very interesting right like the the, the food point so the, the cpi data is always on a three-month lag right so we're looking at data from like months ago so if you're seeing stuff uh that you know you're, you're feeling the uh, at the at the bank like food prices or even like like i've been uh, i just came back from my europe trip and back in canada looking at houses uh, to buy it's like ridiculous the pricing so there's still a lot of um inflation like structural inflation uh and even like the volatile stuff like food like food generally is considered volatile as part of headline inflation and not core inflation because it should come down but it's I, I agree like meat prices are up muffin prices white bread prices like if you go to bls.gov that's like the main website that's used for all the uh, um, the CPI inflation data, and if you look at even they break it down like literally to like prices of muffins, uh, white bread, like every little detail, and you'll see like everything's up like three, four, five, six like uh, percent like month over month, like highest it's been in like you know historical standards. So yeah, uh, it is high. Uh, the only reason that it, the headline was down was literally because of energy, uh, because energy has come down a lot from the highs, but. All this other stuff, you know, it's it's very interesting because the last time we were kind of in this situation was in March. So I don't know if you remember, we had the rally from kind of from like the re-rally from like November-ish to March. And what basically happened then was a lot of CPI data kind of did the same kind of thing that it's doing now. It looked like it topped out. It looked like uh, we we're going to be on the way down. So market kind of rallied like crazy. We ended up at around like 3,300 ETH or something like that or 3,400, 500, and people are like, yeah, we're heading back to the highs, and obviously, we know what happened since March, like, we fucking tanked hard, because that was a full CPI fake out, so I'm starting to kind of get that same kind of energy, I could be wrong, and it could be that it's not a fake out, uh, but, you know, it, it's, we had the same kind of, you know, levels in terms of how quickly we've rebounded, um, you know, we're seeing those big red candles come back that we haven't seen in the last eight weeks, like, people just either profit-taking, a fear kind of coming back. We're feeling toppy, but you know, like I said, if if the macro changes and we get those catalysts, we could easily break through this. Uh, but if not, we could definitely be under some pressure for a little while. Well, I think that's a pretty good roundup. I'm not sure if Simon or Sobi at some point want to interject on the whole inflation part, but if not, yeah, Sobi, go ahead. Oh, just it's good that energy is going down. Like a, a big cost across everything like even for things that are in headline inflation like food right if like energy costs are high that means delivery costs are high storage costs are high etc but also dude was you went in on this market recap thing i don't know how osf got fired on his day off but like, looking forward <laughs> to seeing you every day <laughs> no, this is i'm just filling in for today man showing some love to you guys that's all Obi's gonna listen back like oh, oh. What's going All on? All I gotta say is good luck to. Oh, hold on. I think Brittany has something to say real quick. I know what it is. 
Yeah, I just want to, yeah, sorry. So with NFTs, thankfully, this has learned, taught me to do fucking research on stocks and everything. So I'm just wondering, um, I was doing research on like the big crypto fall off for the past two years. And it seems like we're kind of in that same spot where we've got to kind of bunker down for, like you're saying, the 18, 24 months before it goes through. But I guess my question, and it might sound done, and, my, and I apologize, but some people are new like me. Um, how is it? Is it going to match the economy? Do we have to wait till we dig ourselves out of this whatever recession that we're in for it to go up? Or can we kind of rally and get ahead of it? Yeah, yeah, you'll always rally. So markets, you, have, um, you will not have a scenario like 18, 24 months because A, markets are all forward-looking, right? Like stocks, equities, everything is forward-looking. Like So literally, like it'll forward-look like 30 years, right? And discount back the cash flow. So you don't you don't have to wait for... Like if you start seeing the economy come back, means it's, the market's already going to be flying, right? Um, so it's you're going to see like a like a like a market reacting like pretty pretty soon. Like so, uh, you know, data changes in the next like three months that will basically price itself for the next like year. Uh, so you'll see market like stocks and crypto start rallying way ahead. In the same way that if you know uh, it looks like it's getting worse. That we, we're going to be in a pretty tough recession over, you know, say starting like aggressively starting, say November, December. Uh, then market's going to start pricing that in right now and be like, okay, maybe we'll be out of the reception uh, recession in like summer of next year, uh, maybe a little bit later. So yeah, we won't have to wait that long for uh, the market to rebound if we do get into a recession. I mean, we very well might be in a recession already. Uh, obviously, you know, the, G, the, G, the people have different uh, definitions, but usually it's consecutive, you know, GDP numbers coming in negative, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we, from a, from a rally standpoint, I don't think it's going to be that bad. Like this is nothing like, 2008 right like uh th there's not that much debt in the system um as long as the fed is strong on hiking uh and does not like let go of the pedal uh we're good if labor holds we're good uh the problem will come and the, this is the, the worst case scenario is stagflation right so where you have you have to keep hiking uh and labor gets really bad so that you're in a scenario where you have like really bad employment inflation is really high uh, and that's the absolute worst case scenario. So we're not in anywhere close to that right now. But if you do get to that, then it's you're, you're in a little bit uh, tough situation because you kind of have no way out. Because the only thing the Fed can do then is uh, say cut rates. If you cut rates, inflation goes up, and then you're screwed anyways. Uh, but if employment goes down, then uh, you know you have at least inflation come down because demand goes down. So you co you come into this, this scenario where you have a hard landing and. You just have to fight through like a really tough period. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be that long uh, because, you know, all these markets have so much liquidity. Uh, people have, are, are such good at pricing in like when markets turn, stuff like that. So all these bear markets are going to be very uh, are much smaller than expected. So I don't see any scenario where you're going to be hunkering down for, you know, even a year. Uh, I think it could be a couple months long at most, even if we get there. I mean, it's very possible this bear market rally turns into a bull market and then you know kind of don't have to worry about anything so i, I definitely don't think it's uh it's that bad no matter like even in the worst worst case scenario um but yeah that's kind of what i think cool thank you uh, there you go wow What's that? yeah i i slept pretty was gonna say buy a rug um Shit, which... i forgot thank you i'm on it buy a rug 
There you go. It's supposed to be my bad. Don't fire me. It's my first day. Come on. Okay. Uh, first oh, I was like, Golden uh, Crypto, uh, good luck on your notes this morning. Yeah, my, my fingers are flying trying to keep up with the whiz right there. That was that was awesome. But I got I got some good ones. Yeah, we, we love to hear it. That was a really, really, really good uh, market analysis uh, on the macro uh, and crypto side of things. Um, Wiz, are we going to see 2K before we see, uh, let's say, 1500 again? Oh, I mean, it's got, uh, that's and it, it was, so wide. It's non-financial advice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. you could. I mean, if you just look at, you know, look at the, if you look at the weekly chart, uh, or even if you look at the daily chart, right? Like, I mean, there's definitely from a technical standpoint, the fact that you don't have that much data a lot of uh, for the next month, a lot of people are just going to play uh, technicals aggressively, right? So net net, the technicals are you know leaning bullish. So if I had to say gun to head, will we see two K before fifteen hundred? I mean, I would just you know uh, uh, have to pick two uh, K. But I bought a couple puts on stocks, a couple puts on E just to protect. My portfolio is just in case we do tank. Um, if we keep running, great. I, you know, spot positions will do well. But it's always good to you know find you know spend a little money to hedge yourself, uh, get a couple of options or something, just you know in case uh, shit just hits the fan. Yeah, that's a that's a very very good analysis. I was actually about to uh, now transition over to the NFT side of things because we have D's now, uh, who is today's Mando's replacement, uh, and uh, but we have Mando who came in because he he heard about. Wizards, uh, Wizards involvement right now, and he got scared for Ovi, and he was scared that this would nail out of the park as well. Mando, how are you feeling? I'm surprised you're alive. Yeah, man, in Ibiza Airport right now, waiting for my flight. Um, <laughs> yeah, recovery day. This is meant to be a recovery day, but you know, how can I miss? How can I miss the show? <laughs> he definitely sounds like you're recovering. <laughs> I don't sound great. OSF is in a much worse state than I am, but. <laughs> I thought you had fun, though. Yeah, I hope you had fun. Exactly. We needed a day off. I, uh, I, I really hope that you post that video one day. Um, <laughs> yeah, that just summed up the weekend, really. It, it's, it's, pretty, it's a very meme material. I'll make a couple memes and run them by you if you want them. Uh, so <laughs> we have Mando at least here uh, in spirit uh, with us. So I'm going to actually play Mando's jingle now. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll get to the NFT side of the market. These five. These. Talk to us about the NFT side of the market. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm looking at Blair right now, and it doesn't look great. Um, which I feel like that's been the reoccurring trend. I don't know. Every day I look at Blair. Uh, today I noticed, you know, clones are up 13%. That kind of catches my eye. Um, it seems like, you know, Bored Apes, Mutants, and a lot of the other blue chips are just treading water around where they've been. Same with Moonbirds and Azukis. Uh, the latest rare Pepe Yacht Club derivative is now at half an ETH. It was at like an ETH last week, and I think that'll just keep going down. And yeah, it's just a whole bunch of garbage I don't even know. Like, uh, when I look at Blur, it's like there's a lot of projects under 0.1 ETH per unit that are trading that I've never heard of. And that's like what's at the top alongside of the blue chip. So I don't know. It's not great. Yeah. It's not great. It's it's not good at all. And I did want to have this conversation on the stage today because I was just having it uh, before on, on my Discord. 
with some of our holders, we're talking about the market in general. Um, and this is something I, I've shared with, with Mando and Ovi last week. And we, I think we talked about it, I don't know if it was Friday or last Thursday, but how every time a project seems to get some sort of momentum, people are very quick to undercut the floor and to lower it in order to get that liquidity. And the question I wanted to pose today regarding this NFT market is, do we think that ahead of the merge, since the merge is exactly a month from today, people are just going to nibble everywhere they can in liquid projects and get their ETH ahead of what's coming? Because also, I guess they were scared. A lot of people didn't take profits down to $800. A lot of people saw their bags going down. But the narrative was, oh, look, NFTs are holding up. I think a lot of us even saw that. It's like, oh, NFTs are holding up pretty good in this market. But that's because ETH was going down. But with ETH pumping over 100%, right? Wizard just gave a very good breakdown. We're seeing NFTs get actually, literally just destroyed. Uh, when you look at all-time highs, if you look at the Suzuki all-time high, if you look at the all the other all-time highs, you look at clones, you look at doodles, you look at cats, you look at everything. Everything across the globe is really down a lot from their highs. And so do we think this, do you think this is something related to the merge? Do you think it's something that people are just like, trying to scrap their ETH ahead of the, a month? No, I mean, I think if you look at NFTs from like a USD price perspective and not an ETH perspective, it's a little better story. Like, I, I feel like apes are only down 20 or whatever ETH from 100, but, you know, ETH is up 2x-ish from the lows. So I feel like people are starting to realize, like, you know, they have a lot of value in these NFTs that they might not care as much as they thought about. Uh, and they might just want to get some of that value back into dollars. I don't know what it has to do with the merge. For me, there's this whole like proof of work versus proof of stake merge game theory debate. And if you hold NFTs going into the merge and there is a forked, like there's a proof of work and a proof of stake ETH chain, you're now going to have NFTs on both chains. Um, and that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. If, if that, you know, even happens, if, you know, the, we, we keep seeing a lot of talk of it, but I'm not super um, certain one way or the other. But, you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting world where if I have a punk on a proof of work chain that somebody might value, like I can sell that punk and get value. Uh, but then does that mess up the provenance of my punk? Like, I don't know. But yeah, I don't. What I about censorship resistant fork versus non-censorship resistant fork? That's another thing out for the tornado cash stuff I've been thinking about. Yeah, Can you explain could, that? Could so what, yeah, tell us. Do you want to elaborate? Yeah, so quickly on the to, to cover, if anyone's not familiar with the Tornado Cash thing. So Tornado Cash is a privacy preserving open source protocol for, you know, just allowing people to send Ethereum from one address to another while obfuscating the source a little bit. Um, the f developer for Tornado Cash was just recently arrested the reason why is because, you know, Tornado Cash is, is used for all kinds of different purposes. And, and unfortunately, some of those purposes um, aren't legal. And so uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but like North Korea is actually like a huge player in DeFi Web3 hacks in general. Um, and so there's state that, that's called like a state sponsored actor. And now there's a sanction list called like the OFAC sanction list. Um, which has basically shown, like, right now, that, that someone went and trolled a bunch of people and they sent everyone, like, 0.1 ETH from Tornado Cash, and that blocks you from DeFi front ends. And, you know, Pocket Network, which was a decentralized RPC company, uh, basically said, oh, we're going to follow this too. So it, it basically come, like, 
with the, just a little bit of push with on Tornado Cash, it seems like all of DeFi is just going to go, okay, yeah, we're just going to follow all these sanction lists. The problem is, though, like an address isn't necessarily a person. And so it seems to be in the future, like there's every, like everything's just in the air right now. Like I'm not saying one way or the other, like no one really knows what's going to happen. But at the, what, what we found is basically there is an effort from state actors to enforce uh, traditional censorship or sanctions. Now, how do you do that in a completely open and decentralized ecosystem? Well, one way you can do it is at the block producer level. So like uh, what that means is like the people that actually are making the block, like that's miners, for instance, in the proof of work case, right? And so a lot of people that run these major Ethereum validators like Coinbase, Google, um, whoever's in like Arbitrum's data availability thing, whoever works with Polygon, all these people like run these validators. A lot of them are US-based or Europe or, you know, or docs, et cetera. And it's an interesting idea of like, what if the proof of work Ethereum fork, not only is it still proof of work, but they basically go, we're not going to enforce any sanctions. We're not going to enforce any censorship. Now you'll get a bunch of capital that doesn't want censorship, doesn't want mutability, etc. that might agree that this other fork has value. And uh, in general, I think it's, it's just like a weird, it's, it's a really interesting idea. I've been thinking about a lot because this tornado cash stuff is crazy. And it, it's going to be a major stress test for Ethereum and decentralized networks and computing in general. Um, but that's something that people should really be thinking about right now. And, and like, you need to honestly like start donating fucking money to coin center. Like we need lobbyists and like better representation for this industry without, despite, in spite of the U S government and the sec, we turn this into a two trillion dollar industry, right? Like we need to kind of push back a little bit on this and make sure that, like, yeah, we need regulation, but it needs to be sensible, and it, it can't just be this broad strokes thing of like, oh, I can just send you point one ETH from a tornado cash thing, and like all of a sudden I'm just completely locked out of the financial system. I'm blacklisted from anything. I can face up to ten million dollars in fines and thirty years in prison. It just seems so idiotic for for what. What I personally believe, privacy is a a fundamental human right, and code should should, should be speech. But I'm not going to get into all that right now. But that, that's just something I've been thinking about. So I can uh, I can speak uh, quite a lot about that because uh, so I was at the Facebook blockchain before. Uh, you know, I did some time like at Anchorage where uh, we built the first crypto bank in the U.S. Uh, like federal approved bank in 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 for for crypto in the US and kind of like seeing first in like 2017 the set of constraints that are applied by you know essentially the regulatory bodies onto um, anyone who wants to be an institutional player essentially in the space was already quite high so for example you know when we first started supporting you know Zcash uh, we were not allowed to um we were not allowed to support uh, shielded transaction and shielded addresses. So like the, the privacy preserving ones that actually leverage, uh, you know, zero knowledge proofs to hide essentially the information of balances and where the money is and how much money is transmitting from wallets to wallets. Um, and so kind of tra transforming, you know, Zcash, the Zcash for institutions into Bitcoin. 
Um, and so we, we saw that kind of like being applied to a whole lot of um, a whole lot of companies out there that were kind of the, the interface between institutions and um, blockchain. And then I moved to Facebook blockchain where when creating, um, so it used to be named before Libra, uh, then became DM. And the interesting part there is that we received, originally it was supposed to be kind of like, you know, uh, uh, allowing unhosted wallets and, and not necessarily having having kind of the, 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 the vision that ended up being applied uh, so a lot of uh, a, a lot more freedom for you know individual anonymous folks, but then that was kind of like the first hit when the regulatory bodies were like, "You're not gonna launch, uh, you're not gonna launch like a, a, a coin that is a, essentially like a, a bucket of currencies that are all stable." They wanted to push uh, USD versus allowing you know uh, um, allowing people to create a, a, a stable coin that would actually be stable across different um, across different uh, uh, jurisdictions and geographies. That, that was the first one. The second thing that uh, the regulatory bodies came in, uh, uh, came up with in terms of constraints was actually uh, no unhosted wallets. So all the wallets that were created on the blockchain where essentially the, the, the had to be part of custodial solutions that uh, the, the, the US uh, agencies would have control over, such as you know Coinbase, Anchorage, um, Facebook in that case, and, and others. So that was the second one. And then the third one that ended up being, uh, being applied was exactly what we're discussing here. So essentially preventing any form of addresses that and, and, and having like on-chain whitelisting of addresses at the uh, transaction validation layer, so like a directly consensus level, which is like what we're what you were talking about, Sobi. Essentially, like validators, whether they're miners, whether they're just you know uh, staking-based uh, validators, would actually be operating against a known whitelist of addresses or against like a known blacklist of addresses that uh, they would reject essentially as part of uh, and, and not include in blocks and so we're seeing a lot of that with tornado cash where like it's starting to to go in this direction of let's enforce and by the way they added like other stupid stuff by the way for, for people who don't know there are like things like travel rule that banks have to comply for and if they could regulatory bodies would try to to have that because they forced that onto the facebook uh, like uh, the uh, like a Facebook blockchain, uh, which is and, and trouble is like something as stupid as like above a certain amount of funds that are exchanged between two entities, uh, two financial institutions. So like say one thousand dollars in some cases, three thousand dollars in some others. The two financial institutions on both sides of the transaction have to do a KYC exchange of the customers that are on both sides and actually cross check the KYC of the other person. So you're kind of everyone being kind of KYC all along the way uh, for any transaction that is above a thousand dollars. So like all these things that kind of like lower the level of like privacy, there, 
you know, they were implemented for, for good reasons in the first place. So like the safety of the, the, the financial ecosystem, but at the same time, you know, uh, does it apply truly to like the technology that we're building and the, the type of solutions that we're building? Probably not, at least like not in every case, in every single case. So I think that like this is going to be very important to um, uh, more than just like pushing back, reworking with the regulators, which is something that we do, for example, at A16Z quite a lot, is actually educating them because a lot of uh, people don't truly understand the ramification of the decisions that they're making, uh, especially from a technical standpoint. They don't really understand that like both for like a product perspective and from a technology perspective, these things are less than optimal and may actually lead to, um, you know, like terrible technology in the future on, in the blockchain space. So I think that like this is going to be very important to work with the regulatory agencies um, in depth, educating them, making actual propositions that make a lot of sense for what they're trying to achieve while um, you know, safeguarding both the privacy of, of people in, in, in Web3 and also at the same time allowing innovation to, to, to thrive, right? Because we're also here to create new use cases and make sure that, uh, that these are also privacy preserving. This is a really good breakdown. Thank you so much. Uh, so are you saying A16s here are feds or I'm not sure? Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm tracking uh, Farouk.eth and like, uh, just making sure that... They, Did you just send me Tornado East? Damn it. I mean, yeah. it, the it, it probably is a big thing. I'm not gonna lie. The dust thing is a big thing. I, uh, did you check if you were, actually? I actually I didn't check, uh, but I, I I wouldn't be surprised. I I was like as soon as I saw it happening to people, even it happened to Kozamo, I was like, well, you know. Anyways, it sucks, but you know, it's um, it's it's something you don't like to see, right? Uh, let me just try I, and get. I have one question on that part too, now, as you might know. Have they started? Uh, as like OpenSea looks rare. Coinbase, any of the marketplaces, uh, stopped allowing uh, wallets that have interacted or on the list from buying or selling on those marketplaces yet so uh you have to do that as a as a as a u.s based company it's essentially like it's not even like you're not allowed legally to 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 let these things go through but it's going to be more on it's not like a black or white type of situation there is like actually a lot of the into intent interpretation is the most important thing. So for example, if you are the one sending or if you're receiving uh, something like several times in and the rest of your usage activity patterns kind of like match uh, things that could be legal activities, then you, 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 you could, you know, if you've been interacting on like kind of the receiving end, then you, you could also be, you know, uh, have like frozen accounts and so on. But like, if you look at, you know, Brian Armstrong and, and other wallets that have been dusted, and for those who don't know, it's kind of the idea of uh, uh, sprinkling a little bit of ETH coming from a malicious address uh, into legit addresses. So, for example, people who had funds in, in Tornado Cash uh, actually send them to, you know, Brian Armstrong and, and, and um, a lot of Shaquille O'Neal and a lot of other people. Uh, but it's not for that reason that the obviously that the the, the government is essentially going to say you know like Shakir O'Neill can never use his uh, you know ETH address right. The idea being that 
if you are exhibiting patterns of like malicious intents on the receiving end, or if you are the one on the sending end, then you are uh, you you are having troubles essentially. Uh, this is not really like a black or white situation. But yeah, you can uh, you can start sending uh, funds. So so you can start sending funds to Farouk through Tornado Cash. Don't don't do that stuff. Okay, don't do it. <laughs> don't listen. To I'm kidding. It. No, no, I know you are. I'm but that, that's actually a really good breakdown because we 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 did cover. Oh, go ahead, Sobi. You wanted to go add to that before I move forward. Dude, my fucking dickhead friend did that shit to me. We were in LA together, and he's like super fucking autistic. Like, doesn't have a bank account, but has millions of dollars at ease. I bought him a pair of sneakers. And then he thinks he's so funny, like one of my hobbies, he sends me point one ETH from Tornado Cash. In. But it, like even prior to this OFAC stuff, though, like if you're using TRM, chain analysis, all this stuff, it uh, it would increase your risk score for that address. And actually, like for a lot of these mixers, it's not that difficult for them to figure out where it came from, right? Like for, at least from my understanding of that stuff. So. Um, I think you did a great breakdown of all this stuff, Nas, and like, I just think, I really hope people on NFT Twitter pay more attention to this stuff, because I think there's a lot of mainstream appeal here, and it's just like, this, like, bro, like, dead ass, like, we have to go make sure that Ethereum fucking sticks around, and like, privacy is a human right, code is speech, and it's protected, like, it's just crazy to me that Do Kwan's like, out and about, and the, and the developer for Tornado Cash is in fucking jail for just building something cool. I was just about to ask how that's possible. <laughs> Meanwhile, Duquan has a fucking docu-series coming out about his life and his right? I minted a free FT to watch it, man. I'm such a sheep. Like, uh, fuck, I, I didn't know it was Wait, what? There's an NFT to, to watch it? Can, can you just screen record that for us, please? Because I did not want to... Uh, send it to me first, then share it with Wizard. Then we'll share it with Simon. Then we'll share it with the stage. Uh, and... Yeah, right, right, cl- right. Click save that NFT video for us. Live stream it in the open metaverse. Let's go. You know what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's live. Let's have a, a party in Ohm. Uh, and so that was a good breakdown, and I think it was interesting because obviously the whole tornado gash thing that like, we had a lot of conversation about last week, um, which is uh, and you know my views definitely tend to align with everything we said here. So I definitely want to. I definitely want to transition here. I have two great topics that I t- lined up. Was was one about creator royalties. The other one about our NFTs, just altcoins uh, with pictures. I'm going to skip the creator royalties one. We can perhaps have the conversation tomorrow. But for the sake of time, it's because that's a conversation that, that was had a lot over the weekend, a lot of different opinions, and they're good. I want to make sure I gather them for sure. But uh, for the sake of time, I'd want to go towards the conversation, which sparked off uh, majorly because of the man that's sitting on my, uh, you know, my screen. I'm sitting on my right-hand side, my pipe brother, D's. Um, <laughs> so these over the weekend uh, had a tweet responding. So it was actually a shit post, <laughs> right? You didn't really think this was gonna happen. No, um, yeah, and... it was a complete shit post. I didn't tag Kobe. <laughs> I just saw that like Cooper was explaining product market fit for music through a venture capitalist lens to Kobe, and I thought it was funny. I'm like, wow, like this is just the dumbest conversation, and I got to throw a shit post out about it. And I threw a shit post out about it, and like kobe saw it and then every reply guy that kobe follows saw it and then it turned into this whole big thing and it's like i agree with kobe on 95 to 99 percent of what he said like there's not really any disagreement it's just don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. there are a, a good amount of successful artists in the space who aren't releasing like uh 10k altcoins with pictures to um have their fellow 
market participants gamble on and extract royalties out of and then watch it go to zero. Like, I completely agree that most 10K PFPs, if not like all of them, except maybe all of them, uh, will go through the life cycle of an altcoin. You know, they get pumped once or twice. They go into perpetual down only and bag holders will dump into every pump and builders will eventually get tired, give up and leave. Uh, like, I completely agree with that. I don't think that's wrong. But I do think that we should spend more time spotlighting uh, the shit we want to see more of, which is the one-on-one art, the artists, and less of the get P shit. I, so I obviously that we all know that you've been an advocate for that forever. Uh, and so I love that. It's a good breakdown. So the Twitter originally, I, t- I, I pinned it for anyone, anyone who's, who, uh, who, uh, who's watching live, listening live, or if you're going to listen on replay, uh, D said Kobe gets NFTs about as much as NFT native market participants get Kobe. And that's true because you know what's funny, D's? I had a text from someone we all know texting me right away saying, who's Kobe? <laughs> I have no clue who that dude is. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And it's, it's, it's funny because, like, even when I got into the whole space and all, like, I was trying to look for people to follow so that I could learn and also to just, like, see, like, okay, what's up? So I found these early. I found Keyboard Monk early. I found, uh, and I found Kirby, uh, sorry, Kobe uh, early and stuff. Bro, I'm right like, here oh. still. I'm right here. And, well, I, you, you were washed then. You still washed now. I don't know what to tell you. You're right. You know, you know, small town reporter. Yeah, he's our small town journalist, uh, and so we actually need to give him a position at Rug Radio officially, like small town journalist, so he can fulfill the prophecy. Uh, but what? So I, I looked for that, and obviously Kobe. Just to backtrack a bit, because a lot of our listeners here are obviously like NFT centric. Kobe's like, how do you describe Kobe? He's like the president of crypto Twitter, <laughs> right? Yeah, he's kind of like uh, the godfather of crypto Twitter. He's somebody who came in this space around like the twenty thirteen ish cycle. Uh, had a bunch of success trading altcoins, parlayed that into a bunch of success in 2017. Um, and he's now, you know, worth a very sizable amount of money. He has a bunch of followers, has a popular show. And, you know, he normally has um, fairly strong and, you know, very valid opinions on a lot of things. He's known for giving really candid advice. I feel like when I found him in 2017, he was a completely different type of account. Like, he didn't have a hundred thousand followers or anything. He was a uh, a lot more candid and honest, and a lot less like on a soapbox and psyopsy. Uh, well, yeah. now he's literally watched by like the biggest, right? Like his Coinbase thing, right? Like he tweeted about it. Next thing you know, there's a whole like you know. So I guess yeah, I feel like the reason- probably the if if I had to bet on an individual account with like the most Twitter notifications set on it for crypto Twitter, I would think it's probably Kobe. Wait, so geez, uh, he was trading NFTs without pictures? He was trading, um, like, there's a story of this coin called 42 coin, and there was only 42 of them. And they pumped to like a price of 300 Bitcoin per coin. And this is in like you know, 20, 2014 or 2013 days. But he is saying, like, you know, that coin is like, essentially what nft was like you're making artificial scarcity and pumping it and you know while that argument might work for something like a ether rock like i I don't think it holds up for the broad uh nft ecosystem at large yeah i thought of ether rocks uh immediately when you said the the thing if he knew about 42 coin like how did he not make a bunch of money on ether rocks yeah 
Maybe because he's made so much money. You're just so <laughs> yeah. bored. Like, I feel like you get to a point where you just make so much money, like, that you don't even care about that stuff. Like, yeah. which is shocking to me that, like, he went to bed and woke up and, like, kept tweeting about it. Like, I got a full eight hours of rest. Yeah, you tweeted about went that. Went out for a walk, took a dab, came back, look at my phone, and it's, like, still going from last night. <laughs> yeah, I didn't feel like getting involved on Saturday night because I was with family, but I did have time on Sunday. Which is when uh, I, I was asking him a couple of questions. So, yeah, so that's a good background to the convo because it's how it started. It was with Cooper, but it was mostly around music NFTs, right? Now, we can have a broader conversation about that and whatnot after or late or another time. So, it kind of started off with music NFTs. And then I guess Kobe went out and generalized a little bit. And so, his reply to, to these at some point was it's extremely simple. I'm going to pin it here. It's extremely simple. They are altcoins with pictures. Anything suggesting otherwise is LARP and COPE. And then he said, if you believe otherwise, then you must answer. Why are these successful NFTs all extremely fungible? One of ones are an actual artist works do horribly because for a shitcoin to be successful, it requires high enough velocity, which is achieved by being almost fungible. Uh, then these answered the fact that you think one of ones and actual artists are doing horribly and comparing them to shitcoins is I to know this is a waste of time. <laughs> and then this whole thing started. Kobe said, which then we can open conversations. Said, can you pull me to five artists that have uh, created respectable money businesses uh, with one of ones that have consistently performed well over say twelve months? So obviously there's more than five, etc. So we can go up and spend ever naming like a. a you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of them. But I think the the broader conversation that's interesting is our NFTs. Uh, just altcoins with pictures and i'd love to to gather some thoughts here on, on what y'all think i know a lot of you here on stage probably followed the whole uh conversations kobe was having across uh twitter uh and then obviously crypto twitter came in and for some reason these they always come in a group and in the time where it's the worst fucking time and they come in and they pile up on us and <laughs> it's almost like it's planned hey look at them bleeding let's go <laughs> and they come in and they say all these things. And so obviously then we saw just for a little more, um, you know, timeline clarification for everyone. We saw uh, 6529 obviously, you know, joining on the conversation uh, who was, you know, talking about um, talking about how, yeah, I mean, they are uh, altcoins with pictures on them, etc. So um, definitely want to want to open this up to anyone who has an opinion on this and have a conversation. Mando, I don't know if you can hear us because I'd go to you. Because uh, I saw you tweet about it. Yeah, I can hear you guys. Um, I don't know. I just don't agree with that at all, really. Like, I guess for me, it just seems like such a... It seems like somebody who only really understands value mechanisms from crypto lenses. Like, I didn't come in to NFTs. Um, sorry, it's a, I'm in an airport. You're all good. But, uh, because of, because of uh, looking at altcoins. In fact, one of the reasons I didn't come into crypto that early is because I didn't see a value proposition with a lot of altcoins. That is far more gambling. What I liked about NFTs is there is actual, like the collectibles market, let's say the art market and various other collectibles that, that have um, been big over the last centuries, you know, um, they have massive issues around provenance, massive, massive issues. Like the, the, the most expensive painting ever sold was $450 million and we don't, still don't know if it was made by Leonardo da Vinci. These, there's an actual reason for collectibles losing that level of provenance. NFTs solve that uh, yes, you can argue that the collectibles right now are, you know, they're nascent. We're still trying to work out what you can do with them. But there's, there is such incredible power to, ha to having um, provable ownership of assets 
um, on a blockchain. Um, to say that that's like an altcoin, like then you can layer in things like, all right, maybe it can do, it can be used to help form an identity. If we have forms of people valuing their time online even more, this is a time that you can show some sort of social signaling with some of the things that you're buying, um, revealing parts of your character. And obviously you can then move that into the idea that we're going to have more, you know, photorealistic metaverse style worlds where that utility becomes... Airport rugged. Yep, there he goes. So... Straight into the the ultimate hangover. Yeah, Yeah, I wanted to ask him is it something that is provably you can prove the ownership of on a blockchain? Isn't that just an altcoin? Yeah, I was going to say, what is the basic of an NFT? An NFT is metadata that's attached to a picture. So he's kind, whatever this dude is, Kobe, he is kind of right. I mean, it's technically 100% right. Right, yeah. Token. with right. media attached to the token. Right, like, yeah. That part is 100% right. But it feels bad to call, like, a fucking X-Copy 101 an altcoin with For pictures. sure. I see what you're saying, yeah. I mean, we put I'd the cry. value on it. That's the whole point. You know, like you're saying, proof of ownership. And as an artist, I'm able to solidify my work on the blockchain so people know that it's me. That's the added value to it. But... I feel like he's right. He just, maybe he just doesn't understand that we're also building communities behind it and we're supporting artists behind it where artists were never supported in this way before on a whole. Like there's been like the 1% that have been supported like this. So maybe he just needs to dive a little deeper onto this side of everything. Well, the thing is when you're just a trader or someone who just, and I don't want to uh, refer to Kobe as just a trader because I he's extremely like this guy, I mean, he's a, really really smart like when you read his articles you learn so fucking much so i'm not talking about kobe i'm talking most of crypto twitter now in general i'm opening it up to crypto twitter they're mostly just traders and so they're used to seeing a number go associated to a coin goes up goes down and they just trade it they're in they're out there's no emotional attachment this is except for bitcoin maxis that's different uh they made love they would make love to their bitcoins if they were uh, fungible and so uh, sorry, if they if they were IRL and so and so, but it's um you know I think they see it from a spectrum. Of, it's just trading assets. Like it goes up, it goes down. I get in my position, I get in my position. For us, it's much different. First of all, it's a much more illiquid uh, market that I think we all know that we're seeing it right now. Especially, uh, you could be stuck in a position for ever actually for some of them, and or you could go you could see go drastically down. But also, there's something being built around it, right? That's just a whole like. There's a whole economy or a whole like uh, like almost like any every single project or business right um, is like its own like micro um, like it's so like ecosystem or like microorganism between be, within the larger crypto uh, the crypto space right that is being built uh, from within like we're doing like our rug reader we have our own ecosystem that we're trying to build within like if you're actually even if you're one of one artist in my opinion and you build let's say your ex copy and he had or like pop wonder i'll use pop because you collect him a lot of these but like pop wonder he has like his let's say say there's 21 ones i'm sure sure more or less whatever it's just 21 ones he has 20 let's say he has 20 collectors uh well he has his own little ecosystem and group of people um you know around and to support his art but also his artistry etc but also him like his it's his own platform his own community around it so i don't know like i have a hard time agreeing with with that's why I added just in the title when we say it's just an altcoin 
with a picture. Because if we want to talk technicals, and those are people who are used to just talking technical analysis terms. Like you see, you saw Kelio, you know, he, he's loving NFTs right now, but like he's making like charts about dick butts and saying how TA is going to apply to NFTs a lot. I, I think it's funny. I think it's cute. And I don't think, I don't think he's wrong 100%. But I think it's like when you look at it here from someone who's been in NFTs, we're like, well, we just trade on vibes. You know, people talk about it on Twitter, it goes up. A lot of people talk about it on Twitter, stuff's going down. You know, it's like, it's, it's been a lot of that. But that also shows how fragile our market is. Like as soon as a project doesn't give an update for two weeks, like it just goes into shambles. Though they could be working on the biggest fucking technology in the space. And so, and so it's just really interesting when he says, or most of crypto Twitter, all, now all those open to crypto Twitter, you know, they want to just target Kobe here. Uh, like when they think it's just an altcoin with a picture. And, and I have a hard time accepting that or even seeing it is because there's so much more than that behind it. But I do feel very strongly about what Dee says when he says a lot of the 10K PFP quick rug projects, as a matter of fact, were, were are just shit coins because they are, right? Like it was like you'd go into Discord, it's just like pump this, pump that, floor goes up, floor goes down, oh no, rug undercut this, undercut that. It's like a casino, but it's very broad. And I think that also goes because we need to now finally we're growing and i think this is where we need to kind of like leave the word nft behind because there's just so much to it like an nft yeah an x copy one of one is an nft a rug radio is an nft uh, nft one of one whatever that are for nfts are just nfts as well but then also like um you know there's just so many different ones and i think that in the that but there's completely different like we're a business x copy is an artist that's crypto art I don't know. I just think it's time to like really define that because or else we're never going to go anywhere on that front. I mean, you, you, said, oh. <laughs> you said that was so well for too. Like when we're talking about like when we first like started doing all this, like it wasn't all this craziness and hype prices. Like apes didn't exist yet. Yeah, people were trading punks. Like we weren't even really paying too much attention to that. And it was watching artists being able to sell each other arts. And we were just trying to convince each other this technology was real. And I think I, I think I've told the story too. Like when um, when Blau did his uh, auction, I think it was on was it on Origin, right? Remember, like he, the yeah, eleven like, million dollar one, the big one. Yeah, and but the forward. but the thing he said too, which like stuck out to me then was like anyone that bids on it is going to get a free NFT piece. So I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like I, I did it. I, I got something there. And it's like if, if you don't believe in these facts, like these are facts. Like our lives are becoming more and more digital every day. Human nature is to own and collect. Like, those are just straight facts right there. And we have a whole generation of kids that don't care about traditional media, traditional other aspects that are playing these games, like buying assets that they don't actually own. And, like, if you're watching a movie on Netflix or Amazon, even if you click that buy movie button on Apple, you're not actually buying the movie. You're only licensing the right to watch it as long as that platform owns it music you don't actually own any type of digital records anymore and like if our lives are going to continue becoming more and more digital like no technology prior to this has allowed you to actually have provable ownership of that asset and that's what like really stuck out to me back then and i'm not gonna get into the full story of like the record i got but like quick tldr on it i was at a uh show uh yard sale for my dad's old fraternity brother saw a james taylor record from 1967 had my dad's initials on the back i called him he told me about all the drugs he was doing in san francisco selling leather belts out of an alameda flea market back in the 60s we talked for an hour about something he used to own 
like now if you have something digital i can't have that same conversation anymore if i had a kid 40 years down the line so like what allows that to be possible and like yes we went into this craziness of so much speculation this past year and like that happened and it's going to continue to happen but we are going to see maturity push forward in all this and i truly do believe it's going to become more about the experience and entertainment value you get out of it rather than going oh i'm only buying this because i want the number to go up and like i think we're starting to see that loosely part of the conversation this is even separate than the artists uh i mean there's no one size fits all for what we're doing here and that's what makes us truly special someone can't say oh you have to do it this way someone says you have to do it that way and the fact that we're all involved in these conversations like as this industry is really maturing and like we're having these open dialogues like i'm sorry when facebook was being built you didn't have ten thousand people saying hey let's do it this way let's do it that way like fuck no like that was just zuck sitting there stealing shit from people and now he's trying to come in here too and i'm all for this open shit rather than fucking meta coming in here and instagram so let's keep it going yeah not to mention also the the whole psychology behind like community building like being a part of something like we all literally just want to be a part of something so this gives us kind of access to you know finding communities and like it encompasses literally everything encompasses you know the art the music um just everything so everybody is welcomed and there's no like industry where this is this is the thing where you could where i could just be like you know in the middle of nowhere and feel like i'm hanging you know with all of you with 500 people right so it it definitely helps loneliness and you know community i i do believe that community does save you know some lives so it's it's really interesting simon i love what you said too about um the entertainment value of nfts and i think um one of the things that differentiates you know from an NFT from just a, a altcoin with a picture is that these things can interact with each other. And some of the people who are really pushing innovation on the smart contract level are doing things that are really dynamic and interesting. I'm thinking of like Nate Alex's like chain face arena where he like there, it was an NFT and the art was kind of irrelevant other than the fact that I was engaged in playing this like game with other people, seeing whether my face would die for like two weeks and like, you don't do that with an altcoin. It's it's there's different layers to what this technology can become. So I think that's one of the oh, things that separates. Exactly, yeah. and I think Punk Six Five Two Nine even wrote this. I think he did a tweet last night calling him a container that can hold many different things. And like the metaphor I've always used, I love that one. But I've always said it's just the key. Like you can have a pretty Lamborghini tar- parked in your driveway, but if if you don't have the key to make it go, it's kind of useless. And I always look at these at different keys that can open up many opportunities and. Like from what Sobey's doing over at Populous with the gaming, like what Farouk is doing at Rug Radio with these passes that are opening to centralized media, what Fractional is doing by adding in so many different ways to actually share and buy NFTs with friends and who knows where else is going to go. And from Kenobi with Metaverse Miami to building a IRL uh, event conference, what Mando and them are doing with uh, the DGen reports, like people are being able to build so many new fucking things. And at the end of the day, like, pictures are fucking dope when we get to own them. <laughs> I'd rather be stuck they- with a bag worth nothing. Let's say you have an altcoin and an NFT. NFT worth zero, the altcoin goes to zero. At least I have a picture of it to remind me of 
you know, uh, how I, perhaps how stupid I was. But perhaps, that's why <laughs> until I they rug the metadata on the wall, Farouk. It's like, look, I'm down so bad because I bought this rug. Yeah. I'm just gonna stare at it for a week. So it was funny. Myself. I actually I have a Pepe, <laughs> which is called I have a Pepe, which is called Invisible Pepe, which Joe Looney made in 2016, and he actually talks about it in his digital uh, rare digital art fair. Um, this video I shared a lot tonight. I speak speak of a lot. Well, he was trying to explain to people that NFTs. At the end of the day, you only own the token. And so my that I have the metadata, so I own the, the invisible Pepe. You can all look it up. It's in my wallet, but it's nothing. There's a picture of nothing. It's an invisible photo. And I thought I thought that was pretty funny and clever to make people understand early on that you you do own the token. Now, what you can do with the token on top of that? That's all up up on the you know. All up, um, you know, up to the team. You know, at some point, you know, these um, Kobe said said actually altcoins v two. He said he said it's like an upgraded version. But it, it is, it is it's actually very good. And, because, like, and that's it. why so much the C team missed the NFT wave. And there, there, a lot of them are mad about it. So you got to also remove the noise. Like when you read into CT, you got to cancel the whole part of seat that missed it and are pissed and they hate the board apes with passion because they literally augmented, I think, waifus and got rugged and then missed the apes and all that. And they literally hate, and they hate us. They fucking despise me. Like there's a whole part of it. But then <laughs> there's a whole part of CT, which I like to put Kobe out, which actually understand things, but just perhaps don't want to, you know, there's this one thing that just doesn't click for some reason. Jesus, I saw you on mute and then I saw Nas. And now I'm going to go to Q. Yeah, I don't remember what I was going to say. I was going to interject, and then I, I muted it again, so it's good enough. I think it was about missing it or something like that. But yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, Nas, go ahead. Yeah, I was about to say that like the, the, the technology part is like the, the most interesting thing that we can have. So, you know, the, the, the analogy that is always like, this is an envelope, right? Uh, think emails emails you know you can have the text you know attachments anything you want like as part of the the email but this content is actually uh, made even more powerful and like give sense to through like the set of information that comes with it right like the sender the recipient is it like encrypted like uh, you know which proxy did it go through a lot of set of information that uh, that you know, you can add to to an email, and like this is this is exactly the same for NFTs, right? And the the, the extensibility of NFTs makes it so amazing. The thing that is very interesting is how you start playing, even with say that like you know there 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 are many different categories of NFTs, right? There's kind of like the social tokens, the game, right? the, the 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 images, the videos, everything you want. Music NFTs. At the end of the day you being able to play with the metadata in a way that like enhances the experience is something that is very core to the NFT and, and in a, you cannot do that with fungible tokens. That's at the, the end of the day, how do you implement, you know, dynamic NFTs? How do you implement, you know, interactive NFTs that may themselves be able to like pull information from other parts of the blockchain, right? Like the SVG thing, you know, for those who don't know, SVG being like a, a type of image, that is uh, that allows you to execute code um, and, and basically be rendered at runtime means that the, the 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 SVG is only if you want to and we write it that way is only gonna take its full uh, its final shape at the time of you displaying it when your browser or whoever fetches the image 
uh, essentially pulls the image. And as part of that, you can even have images that pull information from the blockchain directly as part of the NFT. The NFT is completely dynamic. These are things that are not possible uh, through the through, through you know fungible tokens. And this just like level one of dynamic NFTs. We're gonna see a lot more, you know, programs and I think you know code uh, as NFT that is gonna come. And the provenance is gonna dictate exactly um, you know where these things come from and how unique and relevant they are essentially for the experience. They are gonna allow to gate just so many things in the future. Um, I don't think that like people fully grasp the the, the extent to which um, you know the, the NFTs are going to be relevant. And by the way, there are many altcoins that are building great products and that actually are allowing the orchestration of great ecosystems. So like I wouldn't even take that as like a you know bad comment in the first place. Like they're they're great altcoins uh, that are doing amazing work and and serve like an amazing purpose. But at the same time, NFTs, like we only scratched the surface, right? Like it's it's been a year and a half. We've been very focused on like very visual things and we're, we're about to see a whole lot more uh, technology-based innovation. Yeah, I mean, the, the headlines, which, you know, are always about how much something sold for and and the, the, the rugs and the scams and this and that didn't help us, right? Like now you have a whole part of Twitter and people that would think that NFTs are just a scam, which... I th- why I, I, I can't wait for us to start even using the term. Of course, like it's always been about the underlying technology. NFT is just the technology that supports our media company, that supports Jesus portfolio of one of ones, that supports Xpopulous, and they're going to build a gaming company on top of the blockchain, etc. And so it's just the, 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 the underlying technology, but that, that doesn't mean that it's all is that. And the problem is I think a lot of people now see NFT just as the casino. And it's extremely wrong. And again, like, I end up saying it every fucking show. We're so early. I mean, even the biggest NFT brand, when you think about it, in the space, only just hit a million followers today, which is the Boy Beer Club. But like, that's nothing. That's a joke. Like a million followers is nothing, right? And when you look at, over the whole like ecosystem, like you know, you know, Instagram and other platform, etc. So it's it's just like we're so early. I think like that's why I don't really like it when we get knocked hard like that. And I think it's cool when, you know, these, like, I, I really like that you still, like, even though it was a shit post, you step up and like, no, that's wrong. And this, not, and a lot of people come up because like, it's like, we're such, it's like you're a kid trying to walk and then someone just knocks you out and it, you just keep trying to walk, right? We're very, very early when it comes to that sense. Q, good morning. Oh, morning, Ferg. I mean, it's a really interesting um, conversation because I just kind of caught up, up to it in another room and I understand that um, these OSF and Mondo, they're going to be in a room um, with this guy um, later on talking about it. Yeah, I but, think so, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, no, I don't think so. No, I think, I, I think, I, I, I think it's Yaya yeah, yeah, and 6529. What is it? It's, I think it's like Yaya, yeah, 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 6529, Yeah. I don't think 6529 is going to make it though. They're doing it at 10 p.m. Eastern, which is like 4 a.m. Oh, there's no way he's making it. No, like he's not going to be there. And I think but yeah, there's going to be, a, yeah. be yeah. a show with a few of them. Yeah, and I think they invited DC Investor and he said he's, he gave it a pass. But for me, right, when, you know, when I look at it, right, I mean, um, I didn't know what NFTs were. But uh, when I started um, collecting them, um, I collected them because of the art. 
you know, um, be it music, be it whatever it is. So they, you know, NFTs um, were um, art to me and they were my way in to crypto. So then, you know, when you hear Vitalik and others talk about, you know, monkey pictures and stuff like that, you know, on the back end of that, um, if it wasn't for the art, um, you know, Ethereum possibly, you know, wouldn't be what it is right now because, you know, we've built the art on top of that chain. And um, we spoke to Arthur B. from Tezos, and he said the reason why Tezos scaled so much was because of the art. So Of course. Right. So, you know, the art on the chains is what's making things happen, even with the... um, the merge, you know, it's because the art is there. Now, I was in the room this weekend with um, Whale Shark, Gary Palmer, uh, .eth, I mean, Gary Palmer Jr., and um, a guy called Hydrate. And they were talking about um, ENS domains. And they were saying ENS do- domains are NFTs. But then what's becoming interesting is that now they've got the subdomains, right, that you can now... Um, do which is like what Alan um, Henner's doing this um, dot earth so my point is right that NFTs are there because of the art but now we do have um, sub domains and the subdomains are clone X are um, X copy are ferocious and if you look at OpenSea you know it's our fault because we say you know doodles and um, well it was cool cats and other things are blue chip and you know oh clone x has gone down to six so you know the subdomains of the main art chain um could be looked at as um you know in that kind of alt way and if these is saying that you know some uh, tokens you know are shit posts you know are, are, are rugs and whatever it is so i well, yeah so basically i think we've we, we've now created um you know, art in subdomain. So if you are lucky enough to have collected a ferocious, that's a very strong um, art um, altcoin or domain. Um, I'm done talking. Thank you, Q. That's some really good points. And you, you raised, man, you just hit it. You just hit it on the head. Because like NFTs, are, same same for me, by the way. I go to people a tiny little bit for NFTs, but NFTs really is like, was like that thing. And I know a lot of people, for a lot of people, their first introduction to crypto has been in the last year and a half, like a lot of people got into crypto. I don't know the stat. I don't think there's a stat, but is NFTs. Like, it's like, yo, let me, how do I buy this ETH in order to get, like when Gary V was like onboarding people to V friends, his massive audience, he was like teaching people step by step how to buy Ether, uh, et cetera. And all the things, even look at why Solana, in my opinion, is successful. It's because they have an NFT adoption, which is people can hate on Solana all they want, but they have NFT adoption. Tezos has NFT adoption. This is why these 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 chains are, are, are working out. So now I don't want to correlate the success of ETH just to NFTs, but I'm sure that NFTs being so popular on the Ethereum blockchain with so many different use cases in the last year and a half, and there has been a lot of positive use cases, not just negative, have helped the growth of Ethereum and the crypto ecosystem as a whole. So it's almost like, to go back to the point I was making earlier, if you're knocking down NFTs, the technology, and by the way, if you tweet about all NFTs are bad, you're doing yourself a disservice because you're knocking out a whole technology. So at least say the casino NFTs are bad. Go 
blame go go hit on the monkey pictures if you want or on the this that do that but be specific about it right so when 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 you do that you're kind of knocking the trojan horse into cryptocurrency in my opinion of course it's my thoughts but like it's like you're kind of trying to stop it's like hey you want mass adoption you want crypto to go up you want your altcoins value to go up so your net worth goes up right but then you're like trying to knock a whole technology which is indirectly or directly correlated to the rise of those and helping Baruch, that. I blame you. I'll tell you why I blame you. <laughs> Hell yeah, no, you I do. I blame you. I blame tell you. Tell me why. Because, right. So, um, a couple of weeks ago, right, no one was talking about um, Pepe's and rare Pepe's and whatever it is. And, you know, counterparty and Bitcoin. And, you know, there is this argument that, you know, until you start collecting on um, Bitcoin, um you know, it's not a real NFT, right? So the Pepe's had this whole history that, um, you know, us coming into this area didn't know about. Um, you know, you did a show on it and you had all the guys on there, Skrilla and Rob Ness and stuff like that. And it was very, very educational. And then um, you were on um, P.O. and, and um, Nick's show and they went into your wallet. And they saw all these Pepe's and obviously you started talking about it and started saying, oh, I'm into it. Then the next thing I see on um, OpenSea were these rare eight Pepe's, right? And I said, shit, you know, Farouk was talking about this. Now they've got these rare eight Pepe's and they were a reasonable price at, at one point. And then you find out later on that the artist behind that is uh, an original um, Pepe artist. He, does, he did yes, the Pepe Lisa, yeah. I, I missed right. it, by the way. I got none. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they, they had a room yesterday, and um, some of them spent, I think they spent 10 ETH on it. So now this whole Pepe thing, and, you know, Skrilla was in there. So then that becomes the conversation. So that's that's like a, you know, an, an OG alt uh, thing. You know what I mean? Because you kind of find out about certain things that, you know, um, you or other people get into and then you think, okay, yeah, these Pepe stuff. So, you know, um, I blame you. I'm done talking. <laughs> yeah, you should blame me. Wizard, I'm going to go to you. Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, so I wanted to just mention another thing that, you know, um, kind of Kobe talked about as well. And I think this is a part that's like, the next kind of evolution of uh, NFTs or at least the utility is like the social tokens, right? So, um, you know, there's a lot of NFTs that are considered like, you know, uh, gated to like alpha groups, uh, gated for people to just have, like be part of certain communities. Um, and then the the new stage, which is you're seeing like, you know, uh, what like LinksDAO did, what Flyfish is doing with the restaurant, you know, LinksDAO with like the, the country club and kind of what we're doing with Winery DAO, right? Like is we're bringing ways where you're making real world uh, like valuations that would not exist. Like let's take, for example, like a country club, right? Like if you're a member of a country club, uh, when you leave, there's just nothing. It's just like, all right, you guys took all this money from me and I just walk away with like, you know, just some good memories, which is great. But there's, there's not, there's a value for that. Like if you're a Augusta member, you know, imagine being able to sell your line in Augusta or like being able to sign your, your line for some of the, you know, most, exclusive wines out there that sell for like you know ridiculous money right like there's no way there's any infrastructure that exists uh that can help anyone uh create uh you know monetary value and that helps the the organization like the winery the country club but it also helps 
the people and at the same time you're creating a social token right so i feel like nfts like you can't really look at um you know tokens like a like an actual altcoin uh to be able to give you the similar type of exposure because there's no real gamification to it right uh like for example like you can make you know your nft like uh, you know have rarities with it where you're like okay you stake for this long and now you get like some kind of rarity or uh you know you have uh, evolution of uh your nft like picture changing which you know there's been like impermanent digital did that like last year uh so those kind of things create gamification uh behind like a social token that like regular altcoins or crypto cannot give you which nfts unlock that power right and uh there's not really that many out there like the only range of that we've had are like alpha groups but like you know like links that was definitely trying to do something with that obviously gary with flyfish is going to try and do something like that bayc is trying to do when they open their you know their country their their uh soho house style like uh club or whatever they're going to do in miami so do, those things are unlocked by the power like you can't really think like when we were doing for winery dow we looked at almost all forms of other technology and ways where we can get like the similar type of um you know community community uh, uh power but also a way to monetize people's memberships and there really was not i mean the we looked at you know just doing like a regular erc20 tokens uh like a regular token and it just it didn't make any sense to do that and there was no way to get that kind of engagement from the community and nfts were kind of the only thing that kind of stood out for us so I think that power of NFTs is like not looked at as much, but I think that's the thing that Web two people or just like traditional people will be onboarded like significantly. Like we held a, a tasting, like a virtual tasting, to educate like fifty like top people in media, like Forbes, Condé Nast, Vogue. Like it was unreal, and they were blown away uh, by just the the fact that you can monetize memberships and. Uh, you know, like they wrote like a huge article about us and Forbes like right away. But we're going to see more of this. But the fact that these people were so blown away more by the utility aspect that you can monetize memberships and the social token part rather than they were like, oh, we just thought this was like, you know, uh, some kind of Ponzi of m pictures of monkeys that just go for like crazy prices. And I was like, no, there's a lot more behind the technology. So I think the technology part of using it as social tokens is going to be the next big evolution of NFTs uh, in, uh, like from like, you know, PFPs and art and so on. Yep. At least that's, that's what I think. No, yeah, I was just going to say, once people see... Oh, sorry. No, please keep on. Go ahead. Go right. <laughs> Once people see the, the technology behind it, I think that's going to bring in a lot less doubt and more creatives. But as we're expanding and we're learning ourselves, like Imani just announced her um, super rare and she's doing amazing things with collaboration. When people start seeing the technology behind it and the collaboration that can happen, I think it'll open up a more positive feel for it. And like you said, Farouk, like forgetting the casino NFTs, like there's got to be a good delineation between, oh, this might be a good gamble or I'm just going to use the technology to do as much as I can with the art and the talent that I have. And I think that'll bring in more more people that look at it in a positive way. I, I agree with that. And I think also like this is, there's a great reset happening. I, I like to hope so in the next poll, we don't see the same thing. I think people are going to go and invest more. I'd say it's funny. I'm going to quote Shillin Villain here. It was like, he's more, he's bearish on Web3 projects. He's bullish on Web3 businesses. And that hit because I hate talking to Rogrito as a project because it's not fucking high school, you know? And for too long, we treated all these things as projects. What do you expect that they rug? If you're calling it a project, there's always this one kid that doesn't work part of the project leaves the group like it just always hit that way 
So I think like the, the whole space is maturing. I think we're all maturing. I mean, these, you gave me arguably one of the best advice I've received in two years in space, almost two years in space. Last week, you probably don't know that it hit me so hard, but it's like, and it changed a lot for me internally, which was, I'm on the phone with these and he tells me, yo, I was like talking about my bags and how I feel about certain positions, et cetera. And this, whether I, some I feel really worse than others. And he said, yo, if there's any of them that you look at the founders and they're not working as hard as you're working on your own project, sorry, that's the project, but your own business, you know, then cut it. And I thought that was so true and it really hit, it hit home for me. And I think this is really good advice. So I wanted to kind of share it with everyone because it's like, if someone's right now not putting in the work, they're not going to like, they're not going to make it through the next phase of it because investors or sorry, people who buy NFTs. So you guys, us guys have become much more seasoned. I'd like to think and are much more careful before even throwing 0.5 ETH at something, 0.1 ETH, 0.2 ETH, or even minting something. And also we're much more aware because of security purposes. So come next run, I think we're gonna look. We're gonna see a rise into exactly everything Wizard was describing, and less casino. Of course, we'll see. But the expectations, first of all, the founders are much higher than they were last year. That's for sure. We've seen it because we've round tripped a couple projects all together. All of us here have round tripped the same projects, and 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 we're we're not gonna go through it again. I hope not. But it's like it's like that's kind of why I cut a lot of the bandaid off last year. Like fucking, you're gonna see me do it a lot more over the next couple of weeks because. I, it's 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 the way just the mindset has completely shifted in the way I think. You know what? Like whatever they're doing with their winery over at Evinco, and I still gotta get mine. And I and I'm a large fan for VC for Wiz and Keyword. Wait, think you haven't far- got a Evinco yet, bro? bro. I'm never coming on this again. Yo, yo, hold up! I fucked up. I fucked up. I went to the mint page and then ADD, and that's what happens to me all the time. But I'm gonna do it right now. Just so it's over with. Okay. Make sure and you so- stake it. Yeah, yeah I know you guys have been getting free bottles of wine. I'm seeing it. No, no, my wine hasn't come yet. But I'm following Wizard. you guys. I'm seeing everything. And, and, every and I'm a gold member. I got a gold card. How do I get that? Okay, <laughs> that's a, a platinum card. You have to stake uh, it for two weeks. Okay, perfect. Send it to me. Send me a link. I'm going to do it right now. But the point being is like that's a good use case. I think what we're building, you know, I, I'm going to you know, shamelessly build, uh, uh, shill it. Yeah, I think we're building something cool in the space is different. And I think come around what people will look at in, in, to come into the NFT space, the use cases, well, how does that bring value to me in my daily life? You know, these, I think, you kind of call all of this after NFT NYC because you said something, because I remember reading a lot of recaps with Amanda and Ovi, we did like a three-hour long show on the recap of NFT NYC and people's thoughts. Your thoughts were bearish on the projects that I didn't want to show up, attend to their events, and bullish on the one-of-one and the artists that I spent time with. Little did you know, or maybe you knew that, that's kind of foreshadowing exactly what's happening right now in this market. You've seen a reset, a balance. You've seen much more focus on the artist. You've actually seen a huge boom when it comes to art. I'm going to quote you too. You just sent me a, a stat. Over a thousand artists have made over a hundred thousand plus from NFTs so far, right? It's a stat you just sent me, which, you know, to go against, you know, what Kobe said of the five artists. But point being, like, there's been this shift. And we're already seeing it. So I think I think everyone needs to hang tight. Like even when I go to my wallet, I'm like, well, what's this community? Why do I hold the NFT? Does it bring me anything? Does it bring me value? Even joy. Like because a lot of projects or things that I just buy because it brings me ha- it, I'm happy to have it. Like I bought a loser club the other day because I want to support Javon. And that's it. That's it. That's all the utility I need from it. I don't care what he does with it. And so and so and so I think that you know we're seeing the shift and we're gonna see a lot of maturity as the bear lasts and as the market uh, you know, grows over time. So I think those conversations are important. Uh, before we close out, of course, I want to go to board but, but Elon. Farouk, I know you just... raised your hand. Oh, go ahead, Q. Okay. If you want to interject, then I'll go to no, board but I, 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 Yeah, yeah. I just want to ask you a question, right? I mean, 
of course, um, crypto Twitter is going to hate on us and going to hate on you and whatever it is. Because I always say this, right? You know, if you came into the market uh, last year, like say with me, who didn't didn't know shit about shit, right? And you were able to get a board ape, right? Um, it's 75.5 ETH or whatever it is, $950,000, right? Um, Bitcoin is, I don't know, 24,000, you know, uh, divide that into, you know, you could sell that and get six um, Bitcoin, right? It's a better store of value. You know, doodles, um, all of these things that we have bought. And you know, then you go into the one of one art. So, of course, these guys are going to start saying that, oh, this is a piece of shit and whatever it is. Because how can something within a, you know, Board 8 Yacht Club, I mean, Yuga, all of these companies, founders, um, Moonbirds, you know, um, get so much equity in such a short period of time and, um, you know, outperform altcoins to a level where, like what Dees are saying, you know, artists are becoming rich. I myself have seen artists. I mean, Owen, didn't do that well, um, but, you know, five people became millionaires from our community that I saw in, in rooms and, and in spaces, and I'm happy about that. I'm done talking. You know, I, I like that point about the broader artists for sure. We've seen a lot of artists come up and just like do really well. And that, that's what you love to see. Um, Bord Elon, I just saw your tweet. So Bord Elon just tweeted, this funny. <laughs> he said, it's extremely simple. Most cryptocurrencies are NFTs without utility. Any, anything suggesting otherwise is LARP and Cope. <laughs> this is pretty weird use of a pasta. What's up, man? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's the general idea. I echo, I like Kobe. He's a very smart guy. I'm not going to attack him. I'm just going to attack the idea. Um, I don't like the generalization. I, I understand the truth he's, he's sort of sharing, which is basically a lot of people are trading NFTs as if they are altcoins, but that doesn't mean that they are altcoins. They have utility, they have use. I think it would have been responsible of him to, to point that out. Um, I, I was talking with Dees and I sort of made the point which is like based on Kobe's logic, you know, Rolex watches, Disney memorabilia, handmade furniture, basically anything like that is also an altcoin. Like everything's an altcoin. I'm an altcoin. You're an altcoin. So it's just, it's kind of a ridiculous thought. I, I don't think he's thought through it well. Ultimately, like a coin is a representation of money, right? A dollar is a representation of money. So is Bitcoin, anything in that, in that genre. And NFT is not meant to be a representation of money. It's meant to be like, an item you own in a game, uh, uh, you know, a piece of art, um, a piece of music, access to a club. So that is what it's meant to be. If if Kobe wanted to say like, hey, people are just degening and using them like, you know, like altcoins, that's fine. He can make that argument. I just don't like the way he did it. And and the, the word LARP, um, I really took the most issue with just because it felt kind of arrogant, right? It's like Bitcoin Maxi is going after Ethereum or Wall Street traders shitting on cryptocurrency traders because they think they're better. Like we're all just moving money around and trying to make more. And also we're collecting cool stuff. So I, I just, yeah, I mean, I think he got a little tired of like the arguments and just kind of decided to throw some shade, but I don't think it was his best moment. So I wanted, wanted no. to throw that perspective in there. No, I, I don't. It, it's scary. Cause I think by the way, I'm excited for his conversation Thursday. Cause I wouldn't be surprised if he takes back a couple of them. And when, especially if they bring the right group to speak to him, just because someone of so much influence, like president of crypto Twitter, that's what Kobe is. And, and, so, and so he has a lot of like, if he says anything, then, you know, obviously, like Dee was saying, he probably has the most notifications on an all crypto Twitter, right? So it, it, it actually carries a lot of fucking weight right? when he talks about it. He would be a dream guest. I don't think he'd come on here, but he definitely would be like a, like a grail blue chip guest on the show to talk about that. But I'm excited for whatever conversation could come out of a Thursday. 
Um, I think this was a really, really well-rounded uh, conversation. Of course, we can move the creator royalties conversation to tomorrow or another time and, and have it later. Uh, oh, sorry, I got rugs for a second. Uh, we can we can definitely move it just because for the sake of time because it's just already 12.11 and I think a lot of people have a busy day ahead uh, on this beautiful uh, Monday, August 15th. So yeah, uh, we also have a pretty solid lineup of guests. Yeah, Mando sent it to me. Tomorrow, we're going to be chatting with the daughters uh, team and obviously having more conversations. Wednesday, um, we have people coming on. Hell yeah, I'm super excited to talk with Mike. Uh, actually, the creator royalties conversation, we can probably push it to, to Wednesday because uh, Mike made some uh, really, probably the best point in the entire uh, out of all the tweets, in my opinion. Uh, Thursday, uh, I'm finalizing a guest should be pretty solid as well and then friday well i'm so excited for friday we have ryan white who's the ceo of polygon studios uh so that's going to be another big guest and then next week we're already packed <laughs> all week so it's going to be it's going to be really sick so yeah really cool week ahead here uh definitely check out i'm on a show Populous here for a second because that's my friend and he's here on stage check out x Populous pin tweet we love you soby see i i i i'm i'm, uh, I'm giving you some love here all right we Sobey's not even not here, here anymore. I guarantee you. Put, I guarantee you. Put his phone down. He's probably on the couch with his dog. Exactly. Like, he, he's he's long gone. By the way, your 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 uh, you're going GM Jan's and Jan. I'm right here, dude. Oh, okay. Uh, and so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yo, this guy cracks me up. But anyways, anyways, um, that was really good. That was a lot of fun. A big shout out to our to our co-hosts of the day. Uh, D's and Sobi. Mando, stay for this one because the jingle I'm going to play is a special one that was made just for today. I found out about it this morning. It's great. Big thank you to Wizard who came in and gave, honestly, like an amazing uh, market overview. I was really curious after the weekend to hear about the market, so that helped me a lot personally. I'm probably going to go back and listen again. Uh, big shout out, of course, to, to, to my usual co-host, Mando and OSF. I hope you guys are going to be fine tomorrow. And then thank you, Bordy Elon, uh, Michaela, Simon, Nas, Brittany, Q, Kenobi, Loxley, Byron. <laughs> yes, Byron. And everybody who came up on stage um, to, to share a great conversation, definitely head over to OpenSea or any other marketplace you want. Look up Rug Radio and buy one of our Genesis NFTs. Uh, a lot of great things moving, uh, you know, uh, over here on this side uh, of the NFT uh, altcoin uh, space. And then, <laughs> and with that, I love y'all. And I'll see y'all tomorrow morning, Tuesday, August 16th. 10:30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7:30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for another episode of GM NFTs on Rug Radio. Let's go! And it's a beautiful day. Listen to this one, Mendo. Have a beautiful day. A GM, GM. On this beautiful day. Good morning, NFTs. Without Osepho Mando, you can blame it on Pharrell. If you do not like today's show, it's a beautiful day. Have a beautiful day. GM, GM. Blame it on Pharrell. <laughs> Love y'all. See y'all tomorrow. <laughs> See y'all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.